All right. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us here. Another Friday is upon us. It is the 20th of January, 2023. Can you believe it? Almost, uh, well, more than halfway through January. Can't wait for spring, by the way. But uh, regardless, it is what it is. Hope you're doing well wherever you are. Pleasure having you with us today. We have a great show lined up for you today. We do have to talk a little bit about the uh, Con Inc. implosion here with the uh, Crowder and Ben Shapiro and of course there's ample to criticize about the whole thing in and of itself and both parties uh, but it is still it reveals some interesting things and I want to comment a little bit on that uh, and I think our guests have some uh, stuff to say about this too our guest host today actually Mark Collett joins us thank you Mark for uh, returning to the show it's great to uh, have you with us how are you doing this Friday hello Henrik it's great to be back I'm really pleased you've invited me back on and it's very timely because I'm not just back on Red Ice, which is always a pleasure, but I'm also back on Twitter. Back on Twitter. Very, That's right. Very good news. <laughs> Finally, that big account restored. Although I did used to have 60,000 followers and when it was restored, there was only 46,000 left. And I think you're at that, 50 now, though, I saw 50.2. Yeah, yeah. 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 I've, I've had an extra 4,000 over the last few days, but. I mean, I'm not complaining. What I was going to point out, and it's not a complaint, I'm over the moon to be back, and I'm very, very thankful to Elon Musk and the new Twitter team that are doing this. But I have to say that when you're restored and you've lost 14,000 followers, you realise the scale of these mass bannings. You realise how yeah. many people yeah. lost their accounts. And the key thing here is it wasn't just central nodes in the nationalist movement that were losing their accounts. It wasn't just um, the likes of myself. It wasn't just the likes of Dr. David Duke and many other people, Jared Taylor. Um, it was a wide range of people, but also a wide range of followers. It was also people who followed those accounts. And the same is true of YouTube. When YouTube were in their mass banning mode, they were banning hundreds of thousands of accounts a day. Now, not all of those accounts were content creator accounts. And what I mean by that, they weren't all accounts that posted videos. They were accounts that liked videos, watched videos, commented on videos. And you could see the level of censorship going on because yeah, yeah. they weren't just censoring content creators or big accounts. They were censoring smaller accounts that amplified the message of big accounts that retweeted, that commented, that liked. And you could see that what Elon Musk has exposed here is not just a huge operation of censorship, but it's also turning this platform into a way to rig elections via fooling the public into believing that public opinion is only going in one direction. And that has a huge effect. Never, ever underestimate the power of convincing people that other people are doing something. If you tell people that the crowd are all doing something, people will say to themselves, well, if everyone else is doing it, why aren't I? And if Twitter, Facebook and other social networks are all pushing in the same direction and it appears that the crowd are all stating that they're going to do the same thing on those social networks and there's no pushback, there's no opposition, that sways the mind of the public who, you know, without being um, too rude, can often be quite sheep-like. 
right. they will follow yeah. that crowd. And once we were eliminated, a quick browse of Twitter made it look like the entire political consensus was for more migrants, more liberalism, more degeneracy, more LGBT. Yeah. But as soon as we're reinstalled, you're seeing millions and millions of people viewing posts and liking posts saying the exact opposite of what the censors wanted them to say. Yeah, I mean, Twitter, the, it was almost like the the establishment was at least the media kind of industrial complex was like, and the political too. I mean, it, it, this is true on both sides, but this, I mean, especially with what's coming out with about the Twitter files and stuff like that, like the Democrat side in the US were using Twitter as this major amplifier, uh, you know, to get the message out there to form consensus and do these uh, kind of operations where they really target certain individuals or they dox a company for doing, you know, saying the wrong thing or something like that. And now, although I don't, you know, I'm not 100% trusting Elon, there's a lot of questions there, but short term, surely this is like uh, good stuff and all the right people are freaking out about it. And so I'll take that as a, as a win and that's really good. But they've they've mostly, unless something changes, of course, halfway through here, but they've mostly lost that now as that kind of major one one. Uh, one single voice uh, to use to amplify. They still have, of course, control all the other social networks. But uh, now we have one, and Twitter's not even the biggest one, right? But it's still a, a, a big platform if you consider it to other alternatives and stuff like that. So that's very positive. Um, the Twitter files thing have been very interesting too because it shows you how deeply embedded intelligence have been with this. CIA was working together with people, FBI, there's all these other corporations, their whole, their whole political sphere and stuff like that. Uh, so this has been very interesting. What, what do you think of the, just briefly here, because we have some other stuff to talk about too, but what do you think about the future of Twitter? Is it going to be able to pull it off? They, they did the ad uh, campaign, um, uh, you know, boycott essentially and stuff, but they seem for now to stay afloat. And, and also, what do you say this quick, considering how many people Elon has fired... <laughs> and things is just continuing. I, I can't see like any major part of the websites breaking down or anything like this. Like it's still working, and in fact, it's working better than it did before. Can you imagine all those people just sitting there twiddling their thumbs and doing their um, their, their their yoga sessions at the Twitter HQ? They were going and getting what was it the uh, wine out of the tap? And did you see some of those videos? They're walking around the offices like all these luxury things. All these you know trannies and stuff were like removed from the company, as far as I understand it. That's I, I'll, That alone I'll take as a win. Well, I've got to take issue with one thing you said. You said Twitter wasn't the biggest social network. Now, I don't uh, really class Twitter in the same way as I class Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. I think all of these sites have their own niche. So Facebook is a social network. Instagram is a photo-sharing site. YouTube is a video-sharing site. And Twitter is a microblogging site. And I believe that when it comes to politics, the microblogging sites are by far the most important. And Twitter, as the undisputed king of the microblogging sites, is the most important site for people who are invested in politics or political discussion, because it allows you to express yourself very quickly with a picture or short video with a very limited character count. That means everybody can say what's on their mind very swiftly 
but nothing is bogged down in essay format or long videos or long posts. And that makes Twitter extremely important for the dissemination of very, very quick and easy to read chunks of news or opinions or press releases. And that makes it a very important site for people like myself, people like you, people who report on the news from a nationalist perspective. So I think getting restored there means a lot more. Now, if I'd been restored on Instagram, I'd, of course, been happy about it. But I am not um, an Instagram influencer. You know, I'm not an attractive 22-year-old girl who goes to Dubai and take pictures of herself in you know, a range of bikinis that are gifted to anything her. Anything is possible, and Mark. And you could be anything. Anything is possible. <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't think that's ever going to be my niche. Um, and th Never that's what Instagram's <laughs> really for, isn't it? Instagram's very visual. But for people like myself, people like you, uh, people like Lana, we are people who make news commentary. And that's why I think Twitter is the site for us. You know, YouTube is obviously very important, especially for yourself, and it was for me. Yeah. So to me, Twitter and YouTube were the two sites. If I could pick, you know, any two sites to be reinstalled on, Twitter and YouTube, I'm not so bothered about Facebook, and I'm certainly yeah, not so bothered here. about Instagram. Yeah. Um, but I think this is a major thing. And I'll back what I say up with, you know, some facts I don't think it would be unfair to say that when Donald Trump had his successful 2016 presidential run, he largely won that campaign on Twitter. His Twitter dictated the entire mood of that presidential campaign. And his Twitter did that because it was amplified and bolstered by hundreds of thousands or millions of smaller accounts uh, people like yourself, people like me, uh, who retweeted his funniest tweets and made news commentary on some of the more hilarious parts of that campaign. You know, people often say he was memed to power. And I think Twitter was, you know, his central node for that form of promotion. You just simply don't get that on Instagram or Facebook or YouTube. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a it's a very different feel, you know, to the uh, to the network. That's why I think the media loves it so much too, and they've uh, they've kind of uh, been smacked back in place a little bit when it comes to the the Twitter uh, <coughs> owning the Twitter and having that as a singular voice. But you're right. I mean, I can't tell you how many times now, like if multiple times a day, like oh this account's back, oh that's account back, and it was like wow, they ba like massive banning, like so many people, so many content creators and stuff. And and certainly not everyone has gotten their uh, stuff back. I wish they would do that, to be honest, everyone back. Give it time. There's still time. We'll see what happens. But uh, no, very positive, very positive overall. I, I do like it. So anyway, guys, make sure you follow Mark A. Call it um, over on uh, Twitter, of course, twitter.com. So um, uh, guess the formalities real quick here. If you do want to join in through Super Chats today, enterprise.live slash Red Ice TV. That's a good option. Odyssey and Rumble is also open. I saw Chalky Milk over uh, at Odyssey. Good to see you, Chalky. Some plus, hey, Henrik hey, Mark, uh, executive pr producer, trademark here, swinging by to drop off a few Odyssey beans. We appreciate it. Good to see you, Chalky. Um, so I wanted to I wanted to begin talking a little bit about the thing with... Uh, 
the, cons- the implosion with conservative ink because that's kind of what it is. It, it's great to see uh, <clears throat> basically some of this being exposed. This is not a surprise to anybody like us. I think most people listening uh, understands like what uh, what how these outlets operate, like Daily Wire, of course. And although there's ample to criticize someone like Steven Crowder about, uh, I think it was great that he exposed this contract. Again, I'm not sure how much you've followed up on this, Mark, but just like very as quickly as I can to just kind of boil this down. Essentially, uh, the Daily Wire wanted to bring Steven Crowder aboard. They offered him a shitty contract. He did a video about it, exposing the crazy stuff about, well, for one, as I'm showing on screen here, with content strikes that there was like punishment in the uh, fees essentially if you got strikes on some of the major social media platforms like YouTube and Facebook, Apple Podcast and Spotify. I think someone added them up all and said that if you if you got like the Alex Jones treatment where you've like banned on all the platforms at once, you would basically he would basically have owned the Daily Wire money or something like that. But anyway, it, it was it's quite hilarious, right? That this supposed conservative outlet who always talks about, you know, fighting the leftists and things like that now basically are bowing to the pressure of these big tech companies, which, of course, is managed by, you know, a bunch of anti-white leftists and stuff like that. And basically saying, no, you should be instead. I mean, surely Daily Daily Wire, they offered him something like I think it was like 50 million. I think I got that right. I mean, crazy amounts of money, right? This is Daily Wire is like Fox News light. It's massive establishment money behind Ben Shapiro. His family has a uh, one foot in Hollywood, obviously, right? So he was and he's invited to Fox News regularly, as many other contributors uh, at the Daily Wire are. This is this is the the steam valve for conservatives, right? That's how I view this. This is the the place where conservatives can go and play a little bit. It's a restricted playpen uh, limited hangout, as they call it, right, where they can basically uh, whine about uh, maybe transsexuals a little bit, or they can discuss things such as what is a woman, you know, while <laughs> in our countries we're being we're being replaced and, and we're being schooled by the Ben Shapiro's that it's it's evil and wicked to uh, to start organizing on a collective uh, basis. Like if we as white people can't really stand up for ourselves, well, he's not part of that, but you know what I'm saying. Um, Shocking stuff in one way, but again, I think it's good to get this like in writing and get it in black and white to understand like how rotten some of these uh, conservative groups are. There was another one here too. check out this one. Uh, additional rights part of this contract that they offer Steven Crowder, where basically they, they said that they'll control, they'll take control of his email list. They want to have the right to manage and curate and monetize all of his social media, right? Facebook, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Snapchat, Rumble, and other social media accounts. Uh, I mean, crazy stuff, to be honest. And then, so they did have a couple of videos, you know, kind of back and forth. Crowder, at some point, I think, recorded uh, the uh, C, well, the co-CEO, I guess they call him, right? Uh, ben- Benny Shapiro and, the, and that other guy, Boring, I think his last name is. He recorded him. We have a clip here. We could play that later on, too. I'm not sure how long it is, but this was very interesting. I- initial impressions, Mark, did you keep up with any of this? And what's your initial thoughts on something like this? Well, I saw a little bit of this, and I've got to say, I'm not a big fan of Crowder. I don't like his um, way of presenting, and I find him quite vapid. I think Stephen Crowder is one of those sort of um, conservatives who exists to own the libs. So 
whatever whatever happens to be his idea of owning the libs on any given day is what he'll do he's not actually trying to build anything positive he's not trying to actually create change he's just trying to own the libs and i suppose he has owned the libs in this case because ultimately what you can see here is how conservative ink i.e the daily wire which is obviously um part run by a jew uh, obviously ben shapiro is jewish Daily Wire captures major content creators, takes over all of their social media, makes them adhere to every single um, restriction on free speech or censorship imposed on them by major platforms. So they're all playing by uh, big tech, big tech's game, and then controls them absolutely by really foisting some punishments upon them really unfair punishments so if you speak outside of the uh you know accepted rules from you know these big tech companies you could end up actually not just not making money from daily wire but paying daily That's wire right. yep. so essentially this keeps everyone in line everyone wants to be on board with sites like the daily wire because they want the extra exposure they want the money they want the chance to be at the top of the tree but once you're tied in with them, the restrictions placed upon you, the restrictions placed upon your shows, your social media means that you are completely under the thumb. And these people, they write these contracts very carefully. They know exactly what they're doing. And if you step out of line, as I said, this doesn't mean that you won't get paid. It means you will be paying them. And you can see how they use this almost uh, it's, it's almost a bit like um, a mafia situation. They use this to exert power over every other content creator and everybody is shaken down by the racket. And obviously people want to be part of it because it's a big site. So you're thinking, well, you know, I better pay my protection money. But ultimately paying your protection money doesn't end up getting you protection. It just means you spend your whole life living in fear and earning less than you would do otherwise. That's why it's a mafia scam, because uh, only the mafia get rich from the mafia scam. The businesses under the umbrella don't. They lose out. They're preyed upon. And Crowder was about to be preyed upon. So I suppose for the first time, this is something Crowder's done that I actually do you know, agree with or th think he's done the right thing. But don't get me wrong here. I'm not saying Crowder is some little guy who stood up and stuck it to the man. Apparently Crowder's got a net worth of about 50 million. So I don't think this is a, you know, the small content creator who is going to get gobbled up by the big nasty shark and, you know, no, does one no. over them. It's, it's two rather, it's two rather large sharks sort of tearing chunks out of each other, which I suppose is good for us because neither of those, uh, you know, sharks are actually on our side. In fact, I would reg regard both um, the Daily Wire and Crowder in many ways as gatekeepers. As oh, people yeah. who are actually, you know, blockades towards or, or blockades, you know, between us and the public. They stop the public ever reaching real nationalism. Yeah, absolutely. And that that is their job. That is their task. That's why they're also allowed to frolic on these platforms. They have one clip. I played it before, guys. You might recognize it. But again, for newcomers or those who missed it, I think it's very important. It's Susan Wojcicki talking um, about how Ben Shapiro uh basically he's not never going to be banned from youtube now you can say that's a contradiction then like 
Oh, that that means then that he's protected. So presumably, if like Crowder is taken under the wing of the Daily Wire, he will be protected, and they can talk about anything they want. M- maybe they can talk about anything they want, but at the same time, they will not talk about everything they they want. They're very careful. That's that famous clip of Ben Shapiro after the show. I forget who caught it, but he's he's telling the producer, "Oh, edit out what I said. I said some. some it was something about some transsexual or some, <laughs> something like that. You know what I mean? So hyper careful about this with the guidelines and all that. But listen to Susan here, and listen to the language that she's uh, choosing here too. Look, there's a set of content that has to meet the community guidelines. Ben Shapiro is going to meet the community guidelines. So I don't think you're suggesting that we remove him from the platform, are you? I would, but I can't. He will meet the community guide. Well, how do you know? <laughs> you can, how, how can you possibly know, Susan, all his future content? No, he is an untouchable. He's a pr- approved, rubber-stamped conservative voice that you do not touch, right? He's, he's, he's part of Con Inc. He's part of, I mean, I call him Fox News Light, really. I think there's probably a lot of same like venture capital and angel investor money behind these things as well. I would not be surprised. Uh, but he is certainly... Uh, protected, and again, I think it's specifically to ensure that he he gobbles up the large segment of now very discontent uh, people out there, conservatives, you know, GOP people, or maybe they're even disenfranchised GOP people. They like uh, this is not we you know what, what are we doing about this kind of stuff, right? He's there to ensure that we uh, that never white Americans or even Europeans, right kind of begin to organize, right, as a group, as a collective thing. It's it's a lot of Jordan Peterson. It's, it's you know, individu- individualism. It's, uh, you know, the, the great thing about the West is is its, uh, you know, Judaic foundations, you know, things like this. You know what I mean? It's just over. De- Dennis Prager, of course, uh, prominently featured on the Daily Wire and stuff like that. You get a lot of that. Uh, and again, we, we get a we get a a kind of a low-hanging fruit, where it's, and, and some of it is good. I, there is There is a purpose to it, right? You you could argue that it acts as a gateway, and hopefully, if people get you know into some of that, they they expand after that. But chances are they probably won't. Daily Wire is like a nonstop shop. You get everything there, right? You get all the voices, all the cool stuff, right? But uh, it's low hanging fruit, really. To to at a time when we're being replaced, Mark, in our in our homelands, we're we're losing. Uh, our lands, we're losing our ancestral lands. We're being dispossessed. We're being uh, uh, forced out. We're being, uh, uh, you know, obviously uh, institutionally discriminated against in most of our countries where we inhabit. While they talk about what a what a woman is, you know what I mean? Like we we stooped to the level of of insane leftists, where we now have to take up the debate with to grant them that to take up that debate to a certain extent of arguing with them what the, what a woman is, right? Isn't that crazy? Well, the thing I find most crazy about um, people like Shapiro, people like Jordan Peterson, is ultimately what you said earlier. The biggest threat posed to people of European descent is that we are atomized, we are isolated, we are individualistic, we are scattered. Yet we face a cohesive ethnic bloc that acts together as a homogenous group so you have the muslim community you have the black community you have the jewish community you have all these ethnic blocks working together but white people are individuals that's right we are best on our own and this is the message pushed by people like ben shapiro because he wants the solution to our isolation 
to be more isolation. He wants the West to do it, be defined by individualism. But when you are nothing but an individual and you don't see any of the people who are your brothers and sisters as your brothers and sisters or as part of your community, you can never come together and create the kind of group needed to weather the storm that we are facing. And that is exactly why he does what he does. So if you go to areas in Britain now, let's say there's, there's a place called Saviltown in Dewsbury near me. Now that has been completely overtaken by Muslims. It's a completely Muslim area within Britain. So much so that if you went there, you would think they had just taken part of Pakistan and placed it here in Britain. Now, when you go there, you will find that everyone knows one another and they think of one another as extended family. So much so that when politicians go there to appeal to these people, and ask for the votes of these people, these politicians go to the local mosque knowing that if they impress the imam and the leaders at the mosque, every single person who listens to those leaders and those imams will vote in that direction because that's the power of community. Now, a politician would never go to a white church or a church in a white area because they know that white people wouldn't look to their local vicar or priest for advice on who to vote for. And white people wouldn't collectivize in that way and vote as a community. And that is the big issue. And people like Ben Shapiro are only there to sell us more of the poison that has already sickened us to the point where we're you know, on our racial deathbed. But he's telling us that in fact, the cure for the ailments, the cure for this sickness is more of the poison that got us onto that deathbed in the first place. Yeah. And unfortunately, plenty of people are guzzling that down. Plenty oh, of yeah. people yeah. are you know, slurping it up whether it be from him, whether it be from Jordan Peterson, or one of the other people who is pushing individualism. And when somebody steps outside of that um, sort of mantra, that, you know, we must be individuals uh, speech that they always give, they're pretty soon kicked out of any of those groups or sidelined. Now, a lot of people might not remember this guy, but Stefan Molyneux used to be massive on YouTube. He was massive on Twitter. Stefan Molyneux was a guy that was sort of at one point one of these emergent thought leaders that people were listening to. And he started with the individualism stuff. But as soon as he started to notice that other groups stuck together and white people weren't, and this idea of white people not sticking together as a group left them in a disadvantageous position compared to these other groups that did stick together. That was it down the memory hole. No one worked with him again and off he went. Yeah. Cause the game here is to create a false opposition to, you know, the poisonous degenerate liberalism. And, you know, as you scroll down this page, you know, you see all of the worst offenders, you know, Shapiro, Peterson, and, <laughs> you know, it's, you know what these people are doing. Uh, th there's another one, that Praga guy. Oh, He's amazing. just as bad, pushes exactly the same thing. This is basically the rogues gallery of, you know, Jews and, uh, you know, 
anti-white whites who masquerade as conservatives yeah you know in order to divert any whites who are heading towards nationalism away from the idea of ethnocentrism that's what these people exist for so as i said i don't think Crowder's our friend but if he's if he's given these guys a metaphorical kick in the testicles then that is a very good thing yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, that's. Uh, I'm glad he's doing that and exposing that, despite the fact that he has massive, and he's done a lot, a lot of that himself, right? I even think he, in one of the videos, he said, I think Ben Shapiro is like the smartest guy I know. <laughs> it's like, you know, they're still like, yeah, <clears throat> excuse the language, uh, sucking each other's uh, dicks as this is going on, essentially. But uh, no, it was, it was funny to see this, though. Because uh, it's good to get a kind of a to stir the pot around this a little bit, and hopefully people get to think about this. And I also look. I'm not one of those of like, oh my god, they're making money. It's like you know, in one way, I, I'm glad that that amount of money is possible to be made by a conservative. Although we know, of course, all the things you said, it's it's fake and all that stuff. I'm just I'm just angry that it hasn't gone, <laughs> gone to people that are actually serious about saving Western civilization and helping our people and, and, and getting us back on our feet again, obviously, right? Um, they're there to shill, you know, Israel and, and even immediately when Jordan Peterson signed on, he had a slew of these videos about his message to Muslims. He was talking about uh, to, to, to rabbis. They, they even met with... Uh, Netanyahu, who now, of course, is is back in the uh, at the head of the uh, Knesset in Tel Aviv in Israel, right? Formed a new coalition government, one of the most right wing governments ever, you know, kind of thing. And and when Ben Shapiro and these people say things like this, oh, by the way, I don't give a goddamn about the so called Browning of America. Color doesn't matter, ideology does. Okay, great, Ben. Now do Israel. Do, do the same thing that you've said about the West or America in this case, and do Israel. And of course, they would never do that. They're staunch. I mean, hyper national, ultra nationalists when it comes to Israel, uh, and then for us, it's as you said, it's, it's no, it's the, our individualism that made uh, the West uh, great, which is which is wonderful. Right? <laughs> it's it's pretty easy to see through this. It's just an, a virtual army of of boomers and cucks that love the Daily Wire. You know, I just love Candace Owens. She's just, I mean, she's so she's so great. <laughs> Matt Walsh, she's so smart, right? I think he talked about how. They offered woke products. Let's see if I have that tweet here, uh, where it went. Uh, yeah, no, not this one here. Matt Walsh. Right here we go. We have literally created products to compete directly with former advertisers who go woke. This is all a very public part of Daily Wire story, and it's kind of amazing that people can be convinced to forget it all so quickly. And I think it was Remnant Poster um, who said. Who gives a damn about products, right? You're, gonna, you're not going to save the Western world with Jeremy's racer grifting. Alt, you know, the important thing is, of course, that we have to be able to speak, first of all. If we can't use our words and communicate with people, we're never going to win anybody over. The next step, of course, as you, as you outlined, is to organize and build networks and doing the kind of act- activism that you do with the Patriotic Alternative in the UK, right? But uh, n- not, much of this have just been like a... Um, I don't necessarily like the term, but like a reaction, you know, a spurg back against some of the crazy woke stuff. And as I said before, that's very easy. That's very, again, yes, it could be a low, you know, know, maybe an initial entry point, which is, I'm not against that, you know what I mean? As long as the people consuming some of that kind of graduate from that and go to other voices or those who are offering real solutions and whatnot. But it's really very low-hanging fruit and it doesn't really solve anything. It takes up an awful lot of time while, and I return to that point, Mark, 
while we're slowly and in some cases increasingly accelerating being replaced in our countries. That's that's I mean it's the w- number one issue. It's like we have to get our shit together. We have to start organizing. We have to start acting like a group. We have to start acting collectively. It doesn't mean we have to lose our individuality. Of course not. But it also means like we're never going to be able to face this on our own. Standing, you know, remember that famous meme that Jordan Peterson tweeted out with like a, you know, four-headed dragon, and it was some cringe with like individualism is like what's going to defeat the dragon kind of thing. And it's just like, ah, oh, man, like is this what we're getting here? <laughs> anyway, thoughts, Mark. Well, I actually quite like it when people set up these alternative businesses. And I actually thought the Jeremy's Razors thing was a was a good idea. And if the money from those enterprises goes towards genuine activism and goes towards saving the West, that would be a good thing. But with Jeremy's Razors just being an offshoot of the Daily Wire, it's more money just being poured into Conservative Inc. And ultimately, as you said earlier, At the moment, they've tried to reduce everything down to the very safe argument of a woman is still a woman. But eventually, when the discourse moves on from that, they will drop that. You know, once it becomes too much of a political hot potato to say a woman is a woman, these guys will, you know, drop that um, talking point like they've dropped every other talking point. Yeah. Because that's what conservatives do. They always try to make their talking points as whatever the current, whatever the current battle is. But once the current battle is lost, they move on from that, never to return. And if anyone pulls them up and says, why aren't you returning to that previous battleground? They get very, very angry and actually assert that they always supported this new value anyway, and this new value is actually part of conservatism. And I'll give you an example of this. In the UK in the 1980s, we had a policy that was put in place by the Conservative government called Section 28. And Section 28 was actually a very good law. It was a law that forbade the teaching or the promotion of homosexual propaganda in schools to children as a healthy alternative to the traditional family. So you couldn't, as a teacher, promote homosexual couples or homosexual adoption, not that it was any homosexual adoption back then anyway, you couldn't say that basically the homosexual couple was on the same level as the nuclear family. You couldn't say it was normal. You couldn't say it was advantageous. It was not to be promoted to children. Yet it was the Conservative government, I think in 2010 or 2011, that actually passed um, both homosexual marriage and homosexual adoption and now claim that they did that not because they were forced to, but because both of those policy points were fundamentally conservative values. And at some point in the future, sites like the Daily Wire will proudly state that people being able to change their gender is a fundamental freedom in in line with conservative thinking exactly yeah as individuals you have the right to choose your own destiny and they will twist everything around they're only fighting this point at the moment because it's a popular point to fight it makes them money but they will give this point up at some 
at some juncture and claim that the right to choose is a fundamental conservative talking point. It's part of their libertarian arc. It's part of the individualist road to freedom that they are on. And at that point, they will move on to something new. Whereas we will still be saying a woman is a woman, a man is a man. Um, The two are fundamentally different. And once you you are born on one side of that road and you can never cross it, you can never become the other. Yeah, they will eventually drop that point, just as you've seen, because these guys are one step behind, you know, the MAGA crew in terms of the curve. So the MAGA crew have already got um, Lady MAGA, the drag queen yeah. MAGA right. star. Yeah. Yep. These guys will have that eventually. These guys will uh, jump on board with that at some point. It's only a matter of time because they're snakes. Yes, they don't stand for anything. No, really, no. They go where wherever it's popular. It's it's. I mean, it's whatever's easy, right? It's a, no. We, MLK is our saint. You know, I mean, it's it, it's the easy way out. Which you just not if we don't see color and we're all just unite and it's like how is this different from the globalist <laughs> message here what's how does this differ at all you know what i mean um but no you're right they, they they if they stand for nothing they will fold or believe rather in anything uh and it will you know we need to be a big tent you see so you know tra- trannies is you know that's a, a vital component to this because now that this is x amount of percent of the population or whatever some reading statistics so we have to like have that part of our of our uh, political movement otherwise you know we're going to be losing and of course what we saw with trump though is the more kind of he caved and like at the end he couldn't even mention like white people like he couldn't even stand up for like the largest demographic group that was supporting him and of course that caused a lot of white men specifically to like all right well i'm, I'm out then you know what i mean here like he couldn't even do the basic kind of thing i think someone standing up and taking that uh speaking very clearly taking a stand uh speaking the truth and uh, that is something that would be extremely uh, what's the word i'm looking for attractive i guess uh, to a lot of people, and if they did hear that, actually something that pushes back against not only just a liberal insanity, and yes, it is insane, and we should push back on that, but also the all the anti-white stuff, and also start talking about well, how do we, how do we fix this then? Because many times when someone when when white nationalism, whatever you want to call it, you know, kind of comes up in these circles, it's like no, no, that's immoral, and we have to dismiss that, and it's like, but well, what do you? What do you propose then? Like, how do we how do we solve this? Like, we're being replaced. We, can't, we just tell us we can't organize now. It's bad for white people to get together and try to stop some of this stuff. You're saying that all the policies that the left has in, enforced over since, I mean, what, at least the civil rights you know era and the, and the acts passed in the U.S. in the you know, 60s, whatever, something like that, goes back further, but let's keep it simple. You're saying that all those policies and all the changes and all the things have been so detrimental to us, we can never reverse any of those, right? We can never push back. We should just fold to those and say, well, that's that's it. It's done now. So therefore, we can't touch it. We can't do it. That's retarded. And it's a recipe for losing. And it feels, Mark, that that's kind of by design, to be honest. It is because conservatism is fundamentally, if you talk about things, you know, in a military uh if you to draw a military analogy, which I did in my book, actually, I talked about this in my book, The Fall of Western Man, I said that conservatism was essentially just a defensive strategy. Now, to win any war, you cannot just turtle. You cannot just defend. Any army that intends to simply mount a defense will 
eventually get chipped away at and chipped away at, the enemy that is constantly attacking will figure out where the weakest point is, break through, and the defending army will retreat and inevitably draw a new line further back within its own territory. And that process will continue again and again and again until the defending army is so deep into its own territory, it will have forgotten where its borders originally lay. Yeah. And that is what conservatives do. They're constantly pushed back. Because as you so rightly say, when they lose on an issue, they never, ever try to mount any form of counterattack to take the ground that they've lost. And again, you see this with the gay issue. In the UK, when Labour got to power in 1997 and repealed Section 28, never once did the Conservatives ever, ever try to mount a counterattack and reinstate Section 28. In fact, they furthered Labour's policy by ratifying gay marriage and gay adoption and completely ensuring that Section 28 would never, ever be put back into practice again. And this is the conservative mentality. It is constantly to fight for the patch of ground that you are on, never, ever think about the patch of ground you used to stand on and constantly retreat. And if you look at the Conservative Party manifesto today, or, the, or any Conservative manifesto today, it is effectively what the Labour Party's manifesto was a few years earlier. Because exactly. that's all they are. They're a party that adopts their enemies' previous positions every time they fall back. And it's why they are a movement that is constantly defeated. And I've got to say this. This is going to be an unpopular thing to say for some, but I feel I need to say it. In a way, well, not in a way. <laughs> I'm just going to yeah, I'm not going to sugarcoat it or dress it up. I actually respect the left more than I respect conservatives because the left are tenacious. They admit who they are and they doggedly, attack relentlessly attack and they push forward they lay out where they want to be they have a distinct and definitive ideology they have set goals and they set out to achieve those goals and capture the ground that they wish to capture what is conservative ideology there isn't one there is no ideological backbone to conservatism there is no driving force behind any of it now we have an ideology we have something that motivates us we have a place where we want to be we have ground that we want to capture and we have an ideal world that we strive for now that is the opposite to the ideal world that the left strive for it's obviously the opposite to the ideal world that um you know liberals strive for but the fact is, you have to respect them on a certain level because they are striving for something. They are trying to get somewhere. They do know where they want to go and they are ideologues. Conservatives don't have any of those um, you know, facets to their personalities. They don't fight for anything. And if you actually boil 
down what conservatives are fighting for today it is for their own financial well-being and for this idea this nebulous idea of power they fight to get elected they yeah, don't it's, fight it's, to get elected to bring about change right yeah. like like liberals do and nationalists do the same when nationalists you know participate in election they want to get elected so they can bring about change so they can build a world you know so they can you know push their world view into policy that creates something different you know the left are doing the same they are fighting for power to bring about change so that their ideology shapes the world but there is no conservative ideology it is just power for power's sake money for money's sake and ultimately ceding any small scrap of ground that they once held to their enemies and no matter what they say, and conservatives often say this, the Conservative Party in Britain has this ridiculous phrase where they say, you know, this is a triple lock promise. In other words, they're <laughs> never going to break it. There is no triple lock <laughs> promise that conservatives have ever made that they ever stick to. Everything is broken. In fact, actually, that's incorrect. The only promises conservatives stick to are promises they make as a concession to liberals. So if they promise to pass some new draconian legislation that will further reduce our rights in order to please, you know, liberals or the media, they'll definitely stick to that policy because that's a, another retreat. That's another, you know, conservative failing. But anything else, they'll never stick to it. No, exactly. I, I want to say this to just a, like a, if I could say anything positive uh, of something like the Daily Wire, or not even Daily Wire itself, but like Matt Walsh. Let's say Matt, Matt Walsh, for example. I think there are some people that have held his, and maybe some of the other people there, their, their fire, their feet to the fire, rather. And he occasionally he has said things such as "this is anti-white" or you know whatever. Like th that has happened, and any, any. I'm not saying he slipped up on that, but at the same time, and that's great. Like I, at the end of the day, I don't care who is who is saying something you know i mean as as long as it's being said the, the you know the things that need to be said that's fine but at the same time it also feels like it's this thing because it's like oh oh now it's kind of uh, expedient or you know or now you have to kind of step up to the plate a little bit to kind of remain relevant to a certain extent otherwise you will be surpassed by other voices so it's you playing catch up but i guess you know as i'm saying that and thinking about it okay i guess that's positive regardless how you see that because at least then they're forced to keep up so it is our job therefore to put pressure on these conservatives to ensure that they continue to actually speak about the things that are relevant and 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 hopefully at least getting a tiny percentage of the message out I, again i don't rely on that and i feel their job is more to just be there to kind of gobble up everybody you know what i mean so they will say things such as anti-white but again as long as they don't talk about well how do we solve that or or how do we fight back against this anti-whiteism um then it doesn't matter what they say i i guess to a certain extent well um, i think the most repugnant thing about these conservatives is they try to redefine our um, historic nations as nothing more than ideas. And I think that's the most morally repugnant thing they do. No other ethnic group would have their historic nations redefined as an idea. You know, if you went to Nigeria and you stood amongst the Nigerian people and tried to claim that Nigeria wasn't a nation, it wasn't a people, it wasn't, you know, um, 
an ethnic group. In fact, Nigeria was just an idea. And, and anyone that came to live on that patch of land who had the same idea could be classified as Nigerian. You'd get laughed out of town for obvious reasons. Yeah. But these guys have actually done this incredible number on the West in convincing large numbers of people that America, that Britain, that any manner of Western nations were nothing more than a loose set of ideas that people happen to adhere to. And if other people, you know, come to those patches of land and manage to grasp and adhere to those ideas, they will be just as American, just as British, just as European as those that have lived there for 10,000 years. You know, obviously yeah. not in America. We've not been there for 10,000 years in America, but we have been in, you know, in Europe. And that is the most repugnant thing because it reduces everything we've ever done and everything we ever were that all fundamentally comes from our blood, from our genetics, from our shared heritage. It throws that out the window and just claims it's an idea. It's a, it's a thought process. If you can remember these five important dates and, you know, read English to a, a competent degree, that's it. And that, that is absolutely disgusting. And really, when you think about it, that is fundamentally a genocidal thought process. That, that, that idea is one of the ideas that speeds our demise. It makes, you know, white people think that white people don't really exist as, you know, an ethnic group, let alone an ethnic group worth saving. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Let me take a couple of these Super Chats. we we'll catch up on that. Again, guys, if you want to join us uh, for Super Chats, it's uh, entropystream.live slash TV. but we do take them on Odyssey uh, and Rumble as well. A few other places we got live. Uh, Flying Dutchman says, uh, Henrik, the funding request regarding the new baby was very quickly fulfilled by the community. That says a lot about the company we keep. It was an honorable thing to have given. Thank you so much. Yeah, and we've, you know, mentioned people publicly that kind of have, you know, shared those posts. Mark, you shared it. That was just incredible to see. I mean, we're tears in my eyes, you know, I like the relief for us and stuff and how people stuff. It was absolutely incredible. And I never expected any of that. We just like, it was actually a friend, uh, one of Lana's friends, like, just, just start one of those, you know, you never know. Maybe you'll get a little help or whatever. And so many good people, you know, just shared the posts and stuff and got it out there. And I was just floored by that. But yes, that absolutely 100% correct, uh, Flying Dutchman. Thank you so much to everybody. And again, we've we've thanked as many as we can, you know, publicly and stuff like that. Those who, you know, want to be mentioned, have a bigger name and stuff like that. And, and if we've missed anybody, we we're apologize. It's nothing, you know, personal. We just haven't been able to keep up with everything. It's been very busy since uh, Sigurd came and stuff like that. But yeah, thank you, Flying Dutchman, for mentioning that. And uh, absolutely. And, and again, it's like... Uh, ever you guys are in a position like that, let me know. I'll help in any way that I can. Just just know that you know what I mean. Uh, and that's a very positive thing to have, and a positive thing to to see people come together like that. It was just amazing. G gave me uh, tears in my eyes many times, guys. Thank you. Um, Billy Biz uh, says, uh, and thank you, Billy Biz. Appreciate that too. And you, you as well, Flying Dutchman. Uh, good to see Mark uh, Musk may not be our guy, but the environment is getting more positive for us than it was so far. Um, yeah, th I, that's one thing I felt about Twitter too. It's like I saw some of these accounts were coming back, and I was like, "It's." I mean, it's not. Look, it's never going to be. 
I'm not I'm not even saying, oh, if you could have 2016 again, that's cringe and, and gay. But I'm just saying, you know, there was a special time that a lot of people came together. They, they united around something. A lot of people still were on you know, YouTube and Twitter and stuff like that. Right. Uh, and it was just good to see a, 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 some of those people that had been uh, blocked and banned and censored by these by these anti-white activists to get their accounts back. Um, so, yes, I agree with the Bill of Biz. Thank you. Uh, Dog Whistler says uh, Crowder and Shapiro are arguing over 50 million, and it says something about the fact professional conservative media uh, has just as much grift money making business than than it is about promoting values. The difference between Red Ice and Daily Wire, you hold principle over profits. Yes, and again, uh, to, let me be clear, there's nothing, as you said too, Mark, we should be making, uh, fuck, are you kidding? Like, we should be making 50 million, at, at least. You know what I mean? I, I'm serious. I, I mean, we need venture capitalists. We need people to get their, you know, asses in, in gear here and understand how dire this is. And it's not that we're going to fix all of this, but we're one among many voices out there that keep, you know, pushing back. And it also says something, as I said before, that a lot of these people, I mean, what, Crowder has been suspended for a little while from, like, YouTube and stuff like that, but they he's still on there, I believe, right? A lot of these people have not lost it because they're not a threat to the establishment, and and, and those who are, they get, they were, they have been banned, <laughs> you know, during these campaigns because you're a threat to the establishment. You're not allowed to be on there, kind of thing. And of course, again, guys, with with your, you know, uh, contributions and and by the grace of your your generosity and, and kindness and believing in us, we've been able to be here, and so many other people have continued like that as well, despite the fact being thrown off of the ma- major platform. In fact, Twitter is the one only place. We were never banned from, remarkably. But yeah, uh, 50 million is, it, that's something I forgot to mention too. I want to get your take on that, Mark. Like, just the incredible amount of, of resources there. And it's, again, it's not that that's wrong. I'm not sitting here, oh, they're making money. I'm not like that at all. I'm just like, as I said, we should have more money. We should, that, that's how we not only win, but that's how we get our message out. We make it more professional. We can hire people. We make it serious. We have, you know, we can, we can do things that we basically can't do without, you know, uh, if you're doing everything on a shoestring all the time. So that's good. What, what do you think about the, the, the amount of money here we're talking about too, Mark? Well, I nearly choked when you said uh, 50 million and that we deserve 50 million. I can tell you this, <laughs> my organization, Patriotic Alternative, we get a lot of headlines in the UK and we achieve a lot. And we all do that on a shoestring budget. There is no money in this. I always like it when uh, you get these uh, pathetic trolls calling nationalist grifters. There is no 50 million in the nationalist community. There just isn't. Everything we do, we do on a shoestring. When our activists... Uh, when our supporters go to a demonstration or do a banner drop, that's because they paid for their petrol to get there and bought the banner out of their own money. That's how nationalist organizations operate. You know, and if a little bit of money does come in, that bit of money allows somebody to keep their head above water so that they can work every hour God sends in order to keep the organization ticking along. And when you see that Conservative Inc. are bringing in, you know, 50 million and people are coming out of there, you know, with bank balances or net worths that rival the, uh, I love this. I love this. I don't know if you've ever shown this on the show before. No, not yet. But I saw it uh, yesterday. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about banner drops. That's why I'm pulling it up. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is one of the best banner drops we've ever done. And, um, you know, when you're talking about this 50 million, 
these people are walking away with you know a net worth something equivalent to you know a hollywood celebrity or uh yep. you know or a pop star it, it, it's obscene but none of this money ever goes towards solving a single problem right. or actually fighting back in a quantifiable way to not only raise awareness but to build some kind of political pushback or healthy community that can either shield our people or allow our people to come together to help one another to create some kind of alternative parallel society where our people can you know have a better world can express themselves freely and and that is what we do and we do that on a shoestring and it really does make me sick when you think about 50 million because if we had 50 million we would have offices imagine we would have a oh, school yeah. Yeah, we would yeah. have our own farm yep. we would have places where people could come to where there was you know where they could stay we'd have a you know we'd be able to have conference you know our own conference center where you could seat maybe 500 people yeah there would be so many media things. campaigns getting out the word you know like so many things but yeah go, go on mark yeah that that's exactly and when you see something like a banner drop like the banner drop you're seeing now everyone who turned up at that banner drop they didn't put in a petrol receipt you know they didn't they didn't hand over their train tickets at the end of the day and get reimbursed you know they took that free afternoon and they spent it doing activism when they could have been doing something probably far more fun or you know for self gratification uh, they spent money to come out and do this activism so that we could get this message out, so we could get our name in the press, so we could recruit more people, so that we could build this community. And that's the kind of attitude you need if you're going to really create change and win. And that isn't the attitude of, you know, people who are working at the Daily Wire. People working at the Daily Wire are doing this to create money and to divert attention and resources away from genuine nationalist activity and it's very very sad and when you end up talking about you know these absolutely huge eight-figure numbers that they have sucked out of probably well-meaning people who if they were sat in a room with you and i would have almost you know exactly the same concerns as we do i know yeah it's sickening it, it is yeah. stomach churning yeah I, I don't know if i kind of made that point or clarified it earlier but as I said, there's so many of these like conservative, and I think many of them well-meaning and stuff. But so I don't mean to insult them when I say a cock or whatever, you know, like that. But like, you know, boomer tier conservatives and stuff. And and as you say, despite the, they might kind of understand what's going on out there, right? But they saw ban on Fox, you know. They they know that there's enough circulation. I can't tell you how many times I'm like, uh, like I have an app on like my my TV where I can play you know local media files and stuff like that, and they are you know they're somewhat established and stuff, and they recommend podcasts one day, and all of a sudden I see Ben Shapiro's show on there. Like, and I mean it's everywhere, like Apple Podcasts and stuff like these are they're there to be the intentional steam valve for the conservatives. Like, if you have any of these concerns, yeah. Uh, you know, you, you'll see Ben Shapiro make fun of uh, WAP, uh, you know, the, the wet-ass pussy music video and stuff. <laughs> so, and then, you you know, you open up the steam valve a little bit, release some of the pressure, right? Uh, but then you go back to, to business as normal. No, we need to have those people. We need to have more resources. And, and, and there's some of the, 
you know, this, and, and you could, I guess, in one sense, argue that there's maybe something, a, a core truth to it, right? That with, with, with lesser means that in one way, maybe that forces you to kind of stay more true, maybe to a certain extent. I, it, personally, I don't think so, but I, I've heard a lot of people kind of make that case or whatever. And it's like, oh, if you made a lot of money, they would ruin things or whatnot. But, but at the same time, we have to break out of the kind of that poverty thing that it's only if you're like suffering and 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 don't have any means that 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 that's the only case you can be genuine and true and i don't think that is true i think we have to start breaking out of that mindset and i think a lot of people have honest honestly already done that but going back a few years if it's even more prominent then and stuff like that we, we have to realize that we might not like that game but but right now it's it's with money that you will achieve things uh you you have resources to do stuff as you said you can hire people you can do all these uh things so it's not about the money. It's about using that to to further our cause, to 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 do what we need to do to basically survive what's coming, kind of thing, and building the infrastructure for that. Um, but yeah, anyway, th thoughts, uh, Mark, at this point. I think money is obviously essential to do to do anything, and I think that is why uh, conservative Inc. You know, obviously they want to get rich, but I do believe their second objective with their money making is to suck as much money out of people as possible so that it never gets diverted towards a genuine cause. Because if genuine causes received just a fraction, you know, if we received just, I'm not even going to say 10%, if we received 1%, just 500 thousand pounds just one percent of that 50 million and that's what we were bringing in per year that would be enough to run you know a staffed professional organization that would do you know 10 20 times as much as what we're doing now but instead that money gets sucked into the daily wire it gets sucked into conservative ink it makes people very rich and it achieves absolutely nothing and when you actually look at the people behind this, it is that same tribe of people. And they're all pushing. I mean, when you, you put something up, you put something up on the screen earlier, which I saw. And I, I sort of, occasionally you'll see something and you have to kind of, you give it a second glance because you think that can't be real. You know, the, that's such arrogance that, that they can't actually be saying that. That must have been Photoshopped. And it was that, um, you know, Western society wouldn't exist without Hanukkah or something. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Hanukkah made Western civilization possible. Dennis Prager. I mean, the, <laughs> the absolute goal of saying that is just um, unbelievable. But yeah. these people, they have no shame. They yeah. have no shame. And I will, I will say this. Maybe one day, maybe one day, their overconfidence and... Um, you know, arrogance will be their undoing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're uh, kind of overplaying their hand a little bit, uh, if you ask me. Uh, let me do, uh, I think we have... Just a little bit, just a little bit. To claim that our entire <laughs> civilization was only possible because of their <laughs> silly little holiday, you know, it's just, oh my gosh, you know, these guys have got a holiday on that day. Well, thank God they do, or Western civilization wouldn't even exist. That's right. And, and by the way, that holiday... It's about uh, killing Greeks, right? It's a blood ritual. Yeah, it's, it's about the mass murder of uh, of another ethnic group, yeah. which which just which just makes it all that more poetic. <laughs> oh my God. God. Uh, let me see here. Uh, per says, uh, "Raging dissident, uh, aka Jeremy McKenzie, was just debanked. I know Red Ice have been uh, as well. 
How is it in England? Have Mark gone through the banking as well? Yes, he has. What's the latest? Oh, on I'm that? six down now. Six I'm, down, I don't know. Yeah. I'm holding up one hand. I need two hands to count the number of bank accounts. And if you notice, I put seven up there and not six. It's because the seventh is my PayPal. So I have had seven banking yeah. services withdrawn from me. It's six crazy. bank accounts and PayPal. Yeah. Oh no, it's actually eight. Um, I forgot. I was also banned permanently off Coinbase too. So yep, same. Um, yep. Coinbase, yeah, Skrill, but- Venmo. Um, I forget all. Obviously, Wells Fargo, one of the bigger banks and stuff. But yeah, there's a, it's a number of them. See, I say Skrill, like a European kind of payment service, like all these uh, random things. That, I mean, again, people use that. It's like a convenient. Oh, are you, do you have Venmo? Can you Venmo me? It's like no. <laughs> yeah, sorry. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's the same. It was the same with us. I've had six bank accounts shuttered. PayPal. Coinbase, yep. and they they try to make your life as difficult as as difficult as possible. But remember, you know, if you listen, if you listen to Conservative Inc., they would tell you that's all okay. Because remember, these are private businesses; these are private businesses, and they have the right to deal with whoever they want because that's the kind of conservative value that these people stand for. I can tell you now, if a single bank ever deplatformed. Um, a company for dealing with Israeli murderers that gun down Palestinian children. Conservative Inc. would have their teeth out and they would yeah. be looking for blood. Yeah. There would be no, it's a private business, they have the right to deal with who they want then. It would be anti-Semitism, it would be Jew hatred, and that company would need running out of business. And the only way that company would escape running out of business is if they crawled on all fours and ate a big pile of feces for the pleasure <laughs> of conservative ink and their Jewish overlords. Because that's how it works. That is how it works. It's always freedom of association when any nationalist is deplatformed. But if any Jewish organization was to face that same deplatforming, there would be the most almighty uproar. And then what would follow it would be what I call the humiliation ritual. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Um, let me take a couple of these here. Uh, Thin Red Line says, keep up the good work, guys. Thank you. Appreciate it. Der Shirusker says, uh, the current war created a division among our people, among the political movements, and people in this movement are our comrades. Our race is facing enormous hardship, but we must never give in. Yeah, that's true. It's it's hard sometimes. And um, you, you realize that, that there's people that are part of our folk, of our race, that uh, is our also mortal enemies at the same time. And then you know, at the same time, we kind of bear responsibility for that. It, it, again, it's it's this, you do what you can to try to wake people up, but ultimately, you know, <laughs> you're not going to be for, you're not going to force anybody to do it. it. It's just kind of what it is. But yes, we've been tremendously uh, dividing on, on every single issue. And it's so easy for a lot of the other ethnic groups to just rally around like, well, I'm, I'm black or I'm Pakistani or I'm Asian or Chinese or whatever, you know what I mean? Uh, and for us whites, it's always this like, you know, mi- micro communities of different little niches that everyone is into. And that's how we get isolated and, and, and divided, you know. Uh, thank you, Deshurisker. Let me do a couple of these also. Um, Hexagod Podcast says, uh, yeah, you and Mark are fine. I'd donate millions if I could. I'm just a common working man. Yeah, no, we appreciate it. And uh, as I said before, I think we need... We need, uh, actually, it was one kind of before that, I guess, Mark. That's exactly why Jews run the banking system and print money to promote anti-white institutions. We don't have uh, have it so easy. Um, have to get creative. And then the follow-up was, yes, you and Mark are fine. I'd donate millions if I could kind of thing. But, y- yes, um, 
there needs to be people with means, uh, successful people that understand how dire the situation is. I'm not sitting around waiting for that, but I assume that the longer this goes on, eventually you, it's just a natural like progression, a natural kind of cell division of this as an organism that it's it, it, it is going to grow. You could argue kind of in a way even that the some of the divisions that do occur is kind of much in the same way. It basically shows that it's it's growing. I'm not saying it's good, but it's just like it's what it is. Some of these things you can't stop, and you gotta kind of think of it in a positive way. And it's like, okay, well, that means it's enough people in this, uh, you know, over here to do something, and then the next group is over here. They do their thing, kind of thing. And because what you know, what we do might not appeal to everybody. You know, <laughs> something that you guys do might might not be appealing to some people. But then there's other options. There's some maybe they're more. Um, you know, maybe more radical, or they they're doing a, a different type of activism, or they're focusing more maybe on just local smaller uh, issues or something. I don't know, but yeah, it's um, it is it is we ha we have our work cut out for us. <laughs> Let me put it that way, uh, and it's not gonna. It, it's I think it's going to get easier in one way because I think the the times are so extreme. And I think, as I said before, I don't sit around and wait for that to be the solution to this, obviously, but I think there's going to be people with m more means and resources that are going to begin understanding what's happening, and they're going to start looking for people that actually not only speaks a bit of of the truth, but the whole truth, you know. Uh, one more here from Michael57DE. Thank you, Michael. Good to see you as well. Uh, hail Henrik and Mark. Hail the gods. Banner drops are going to, there's a refresh here, ba banner drops are going to be more probable um, problematic after what happened to N NSC 31. The state took a simple trespass charge and hate crime enhanced it um, to a civil rights violation. Oh yeah, it's that too, right? Whose rights? Yeah, not your rights. You can't you can't say what you want, right? Uh, what specific rights were violated? That's anyone's guess. Yeah, I think, what do you think about that, Mark? I mean, they're going to have a number of these tricks up their sleeve. There was a debate in Sweden, just mentioned, my, you know, my country in terms of like the Nordic resistance movement that they put in this law change uh, on January 1st, 2023, that potentially could get them banned under this anti-terrorism law and things like that. And of course, in, in the UK, what was the other one? National Action, right? That was banned. There's a number of, of these other groups. I assume that they will continue to push as much as they can. Um, but there isn't there a risk in that too, in in the sense that it will just look worse and worse for them. Maybe maybe they don't worry about that at this point. I don't think they worry about that. And I'm going to give you an example of the way they push things in Britain. I've released a video today, which is an odyssey. It's about um, it's about something called the online safety bill. Now, the online safety bill was designed to completely kill any free speech on the internet, and it did so by bringing in a term that the conservatives were calling legal but harmful. So they had defined a type of speech on the internet as legal but harmful. And what that meant was that they believed that although that speech was completely legal, it could cause harm to someone. And not quantifiable harm, like physical harm, but what they were calling psychological harm. But then they furthered this with harm is not enough. If the post causes risk or the potential of harm, so hasn't caused any harm, you know, psychological or physical, but somebody believes it might cause psychological harm, that post would also be called legal but harmful and have to be removed. And repeat offenders would spend 
up to two years in jail for posting this legal yet harmful material. Now, thankfully, the Conservatives are saying that they are now going to remove that clause from the bill. But that tells you how difficult things are going to get. And if you think that's all, there is also a situation in Britain where police are now recording what are known as non-crime hate incidents. And non-crime hate incidents are incidents that an individual or third party um, feels were motivated by hate. And this I'll give you an example. The best way is to give you an example. A white pensioner was arrested and questioned by the police because she was driving her car and a black man at a petrol station was taking his time, like on his phone or doing something and not, you know, he'd filled up his car and apparently he wasn't moving away from the pump. So she beeped him just to say, look, I'm waiting. Can you hurry up? Because I've got to get to the pump. And a third party saw this thought it was racist, reported it to police, she was arrested and was interviewed. That was not a criminal act. It was a non-crime hate incident. So what they're basically doing is turning anything into a crime. They are criminalizing opinions, actions, anything that can be interpreted in any way as racist, harmful, bigoted and eventually they are trying to craft this technocratic police state where we're all monitored at all times yeah. via these devices and anything we do that is seen to be even the slightest infraction under these very very vague and badly worded laws will result in police action it's absolutely scandalous and eventually that won't be enough for them. Eventually, it won't just be a matter of saying, well, you guys have incited racial hatred. It won't be enough for them to say, um, you know, you guys have engaged in a non-crime, non, you know, non-crime hate incident. You guys are potentially going to hurt the feelings of this, uh, you know, vulnerable person if they ever see your uh, opinion in written format on a social network. They will then move to a position where they call all of those non-crime hate incidents and legal but harmful statements as terrorism. They will simply move to the point where they will say that speech and opinions yeah. are tantamount to terrorism and you are not just somebody indulging in hate, but you are a dangerous terrorist for holding the wrong ideals. That is where things yeah. are moving. Yeah. And it, it's, in, it's incredible to say that, but it will make George Orwell's 1984 look like a pleasant alternative reality because this will be far worse because the level of um, the level of uh, these dystopian laws will be one thing, but they will also be coupled with a surveillance state which just 20 or 30 years ago would have been absolutely unthinkable and it's far reaching nature its powers and it's always on nature means that people will be caught out everywhere and anywhere and even jokes even off-the-cuff comments will be recorded as genuine admissions of some awful act that um, will land you 
with serious jail sentences because that's the kind of world they want to craft and eventually when they have got enough of these cases on the book they will proudly proclaim that essentially being white and objecting to mass immigration is the greatest cause of terrorism that the west has ever known yeah exactly it's a new it's a term they whipped out a while ago here stochastic i think that's how it pronounces stochastic terrorism right the public demonization of a person or group resulting in the incitement of a violent act like so if you you say something and then a person over here that you didn't even maybe speak to directly he just in some cases they might not even prove that he listened to you but he does something now it's not it's not only that person's responsibility it's yours because you said it so it's the words that are dangerous and and that is the terroristic act that they're trying to go after well it strips everyone of free will and uh, freedom of choice so it suggests that nobody in the west <laughs> has any agency they can't make up their own mind they haven't got any free will that they just act on impulse at any time on hearing anything so if you walk up to somebody and you say you know what i don't really like mass immigration and the person you've said that to you know commits um, an illegal act based on their dislike of mass immigration it's your fault for putting yeah. that idea in their head because that person has no agency no self-control no filter and rather than placing the emphasis on the guy who has no agency no self-control no filter the emphasis is placed completely on the person who just spoke to that guy and that i mean Hearing myself say that, it sounds insane, but these people are trying to push that insanity. And if you watch that video I produced today, you will see how very, very evil the people are who are trying to pass this bill. And again, who is it doing this? It's the Conservatives. This isn't, this isn't a bill put forward by the Labour Party or the Liberal Democrats or the Green Party. It's a bill put forward by the conservatives they are the ones leading the charge to destroy any semblance of free speech or freedom of expression on the internet yes absolutely glenda chinaman says uh, conservatives are motivated by profit motivations of nationalists come from within and nobody can take that away that that's true um I've said that many times before that it, it, it's about us kind of having a, like an, an iron will, essentially, right? That, that no matter what the conditions are around us, we maintain those. And we also, of course, help to uh, educate people around us and make sure that they have the same level, right? We, we might very well live through a period that is awful. I mean, just, just to be blunt about it, uh, I, I hope it doesn't get that. We try to prevent that, of course, but like... And, and until we have enough people or or enough means or or, or in a one way until things get so radical and so drastic that you have a lot of people that were like okay there's only one way out of this and it's it's us getting together and 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 creating something parallel where we can actually continue to live and have kids and 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 you know, do, do what we can do you know at that point it's like whether we do that, you know, in, in, in this area in this country or whatever but those groups I think will continue to grow over time. Uh, but in the short term, I think we could be uh, we can be a very small minority, not just as, as white people, but even white people that have th that, that are nationalists, that are patriotic people that are actually standing up for Europeans and, and Western civilization uh, and stuff like that. 
we might be a very small uh, uh, you know, group, essentially, at some point. I hope that's not true, but we have to prepare for that possibility. Uh, and if we, that's what I think in a way, if we have to, you know, re- retreat to, to be able to live how we want to live in some area for a certain period of time, then that's what we have to do. I'm not saying it's that drastic yet. I'm not saying, yeah, pull out of society, don't, don't even bother anymore. Use whatever you can to uh, use the system to your advantage, you know, may, may have it be successful, have a successful job, make money. You know, we, we want successful people. We want, we want you to be engaged in society still. But we have to come to terms with the realization that we might not, you know, probably we will not be able to, like, change the political system and the entire culture. <laughs> you know what I mean? And at some point we might just do, like, retreat and, like, okay, we're going to live here and at least, you know, we can do how we want to do. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know. What, what do you think of that, Mark? It's like some people say, no, we should, you know, we should we, we need to continue to work to change all the institutions and work politically and stuff like that. And, and, and to a certain extent, you know, you guys do that. But part of me also feels this like this is not we're not going to be able to change this. This is on a self-destruction uh, path here. It's just like it's so insane and so crazy and so, uh, you know, mutant like. That it's almost like we're not going to be able to like fix this. What what do you feel about that? I feel that fundamentally you raise a very good point, and I'm going to try and address that point with the gravity it deserves. Because so far it's been quite a light-hearted and fun show. We've talked about a lot of different things, but this is a real, real serious issue, and it's a, a philosophical issue of of what we do, and. In some ways, people might see us as a very dedicated group who are merely raging against the dying light. And unfortunately, the light is at some point going to go out. And it doesn't matter how hard you rage or how hard you fight, it can seem impossible to turn that around, to, you know bring it back to to get that fire burning again and if you look at it like that you might think that this fight is pointless you might think that this fight is doomed so why not and go and do something else well i address that issue quite simply because i say that even if somebody told me there was no chance of winning I would still fight. Yep. And you might Absolutely. think, why is yeah. that? Why are you insane? Have you completely lost your mind? You could you could sit in your man cave, play computer games all day, indulge yourself with nice food, nice drink, just enjoy your life, lead an easy life, never have your bank account closed, never risk somebody coming to you in the street and having a go at you, never risk arrest. Why would you fight if you knew there was no chance of winning because sometimes when you're facing a horror on this of this magnitude you actually define yourself by your will to fight you define yourself by the fact that you are taking a stand no matter what the cost and even though the chances of victory may be so slim you define yourself by that because if you didn't what would be the point of existing? What would be the point of being here? You know, we are watching our race be genocided. And not just genocided, we're watching them being genocided. And 
the genocide happens in the most humiliating and debased way. So what better thing to do than fight back against that? What better thing to do than stand up and say no? Because if you're going to die, if you're going to be finished off, you might as well die on your feet with your sword in your hand with some dignity. It's better to go out that way. It's better to go out with your sword in your hand than it is to go out on your knees, groveling in the dirt, eating their crap. And that is something that should keep anyone going. It certainly keeps me going. And I do believe there's hope. I do think there's a chance of winning. Yeah. Me too. But even if there was no chance, I'd exactly. still be fighting. Absolutely. Now, I, I'm paraphrasing, but it was a, a, a quote here. It was something like, even a even a worm squirms upward against the shoe that's smashing it in an act of revolt. You know what I mean? Like, if they stand no chance, but it's it's because that's what life does. It fights back. You know what I mean? <laughs> otherwise, it's... We, Otherwise, we're already dead, aren't we? Otherwise, it is already lost, right? Uh, but again, having said that, I think long, long, short term, yes, it could be very drastic and stuff like that. But I think long term, it, there's still a look. It's not. It's it's never over until the last one of us walks off the stage of history. It's never. It's never going to be over. You know what I mean? Um, there's so much room and so much unknown variables that could happen, things along the way, whether it's outside help or whether it's leadership or people actually beginning to feel the pressure of the severity of the situation. And as we know, that's when our people perform the very best, right? When the, when they, when it's at the last moment and it, and, it, and it is a make it or break it situation, that's when we really shine. You know what I mean? And we're not there yep. yet. We're too comfortable. And the greatest pilot of the Second World War stated, only he is lost who gives himself up for lost. So it's when you lose all hope, that's when you've truly lost. And you need to keep holding on to something. And I always hold on to the fact that Western civilization has been on the brink numerous times. And it has always, at the last minute, had almost sort of a Lord of the Rings rallying cry where, you know, Gandalf comes over the hill and saves everyone. That's happened. You know, look at the Siege of Vienna. That was it. The Muslims had taken Europe. All they had to do was what that one final push. The last white men were all behind the gates. Everything was lost. And those brave men poured out of that fortress and stage the most daring comeback, <laughs> crushing the Muslim invaders, driving them back. And the siege of Vienna ended yeah. with white people retaking Europe. Yeah. At one point, Spain was completely yep. occupied by Muslims. 700 Yet, years. 700 years. <laughs> Basically, they, they were in a small sliver at the very north, right? Still. Yeah, uh, but that but that was it, and and but they they retook it. You, you they could. took it yeah. back. Yeah. They took it back. It can happen, and it will happen. You know, the fact is, as European people, we have always overcome our enemies, regardless of the overwhelming odds. We've always come back from the brink, and fundamentally, you know. When you look at what runs in our veins, it's the blood of the greatest people to ever walk the earth. If you look at all the amazing achievements of our ancestors, why would you give up 
when you see what we achieved with so little you know and if we've done that before we can do it again and the fact of the matter is even if the people on this show the people watching this show the people enjoying our content don't get to see that ultimate victory even if we're just a link in the chain that keeps things going well so be it we played our part yeah think of it like this yeah i don't know if you've ever been to the uk have you ever been to the uk oh, yeah. yeah many times have yeah. you ever been to york minster no i've not York Minster is probably the most beautiful building or one of the most beautiful buildings ever created. And it took hundreds and hundreds of years to build. Now, the guys who laid the foundations to that building knew as they were laying the foundations to that building that they would never see the final brick put in place. They'd never see the spires added to the top of that building. Now, that might seem disheartening to know that you've started work on a project that you will never see com the completion of, but they still did it because they knew that being part of that chain, being a link in that chain, playing their part in creating that magnificent building would leave a lasting monument to something you want to look at the front side of it oh front the side front okay side yeah with the, two tower, with the two towers gotcha I'll, um i'll find it but the um the guys that laid the foundation never saw the spires go on but they knew that didn't depress them because they knew they were playing the part their part in creating something so magnificent that would stand the test of time that they did it with smiles on their faces and a lot of people couldn't understand that a lot of people wouldn't be able to understand that dedication they wouldn't be able to understand that being a link in an important chain that's that is the uh, that is the beautiful building i'm talking of but a lot of people don't understand that being a link in a chain is important and I think it's important. And if I never get to see, you know, the end, the great victory, well, if I play an important part in ensuring that people come together and achieve that final victory, that's good enough for me. And all these things should keep people motivated because they've kept our people motivated for millennia. Absolutely, and uh, that—that's what we are—the link, right? In in the to our past, you, you know, genetically, it's, it's it's our makeup, it's who we are, but also then through uh, not only directly our children, but the people that we inspire—that's our link to the future. That go on and build from the things that we have done or the bricks that we lay now. And as I say, you don't build you don't build Rome in a day. You know, what I mean, it takes time. And I'd like to see that we're doing some of that, fun, you know, very basic fu foundational work right now of, of something that hopefully will still stand in. Two, three hundred years from now, you know what I mean? That that can withstand all the uh, unbelievable, uh, corrosive, and and just bizarrely, you know, mute. mute I, I don't. I lack the words, but like it's a, it's a mutation that's happened or something in, in like uh, among humans, and it's it just uh, crazy. And the anti-whiteness, the liberalism, the the out of control lunacy and stuff like that. But you know that that I think will come and go. That's like a, that's what I said before. That's a self-destruction mechanism of sort. That's that's the that's when the tree has fallen in the in the woods, and now the 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 worms come out and the fungi to to break the whole thing down. You know what I mean? And and it's our job to to be that seed instead and actually create and you know build it not build but like 
you know, grow a new tree or create a new foundation for something that lasts, Mark? Well, I agree. And I'll also say this. Sometimes, sometimes that mighty oak does come down in the forest. Uh, but as you're walking amongst, uh, you know, the fallen branches and the cracked trunk, you will see somewhere around there a fresh shoot. You will see something starting again. And from that sprouts new life. And the same will happen with the West. If parts of the West fall, if parts of the West experience extreme hardship, new life will come about from there because there are numerous resets that have happened throughout our history. I mean, you look at Rome, when the Roman Empire was at its peak, people would have thought this could never fall, this could never end, but it did end and something replaced it and white people continued on. And if our society is completely broken, if our people are scattered, and if things are reduced to some kind of um, apocalyptic hellscape, I believe there will be no one better suited than white people to come out the other side and start all over again and build something even more magnificent than what stood before, because it's in our people's nature. Yes, well said, absolutely. I, uh, I concur. Let me take a couple of these here. Uh, Archie says, uh, I returned to Canada in 2018 and watched the left and right on YouTube to catch up on politics. Uh, I found TPUSA at all and believed that I found the right stuff. It took me many months to realize I was still in the matrix. Well, again, that, that's, that's what's positive about it, right? That as long as people have a continuing uh, quest, questioning and inquisitive nature, um, you, you know, you might you might be introduced to certain ideas by certain content creators, and that's why I still recognize this. Like, yeah, some of this serves its its purpose, and 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 it is what it is. We're not going to, uh, you know, cancel the Daily Wire by sitting here and whining about it. We're going to win by doing something that's 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 better. Sure, the game is rigged. They have the whole, you know, not the whole, but they have a large swath of like the conservative mainstream movement kind of backing them or helping to lift them out and highlight them and stuff like that. Uh, but hopefully at the end, maybe, maybe not maybe not quantity-wise, but quality-wise, that hopefully, though, we still have enough voice and means and, and ability uh, to reach not just the masses, but the people that really matter, that will go on and change things. You know what I mean? That's really what it's about. It, it, it's not, you know, I'm, I'm too two-sided about it. Sometimes it's like, well... You know, our job is like to, to try to wake up as many people as possible. And, and although I think that's true, right, if we have a wider variety, more numbers on our, on our side, so to speak, the odds are greater that a few individuals among those will be great ones that we're going to need, leaders and so forth. Those who take a role or those who have uh, ideas maybe or are creative in a certain way and think of these problems in a new way. And all of a sudden there are solutions to some of these problems that we haven't been able to tackle before, right? So that's that's part of it, that you'd want as many as possible. But it's really about having the right people on our side. It, it's not about convincing everybody. That would be great, but that real, realistically, that's just not going to happen, right? Uh, so it's about, um, it's about quality, Mark, right? Isn't that what it's about? It largely is about quality. And you're right, we're not going to convince everyone. And I've got to say this, I stopped trying to convince everyone a long time ago because it's a waste of my time it'd be a waste of your time and it'd be a waste of the time of the people watching this show there are people that you can reach and people that you can't reach and i always say to people if it was your job 
to go out door to door and sell people steak. If you knocked on a door and somebody answered and said they were a vegan, how long would you spend arguing with them trying to convince them to buy steak? You wouldn't spend any time. You would get away from that door as quickly as you could, hoping the next one was a guy who was a meat-hungry monster who was holding a barbecue for all of his friends because he'd want to buy lots of steak. Spend your time speaking to people and talking to people who are receptive. They're interested. To you. Yep. Yep. Do not waste your breath on people. And I, I've seen this on Twitter. There are good meaning nationalists who spend huge amounts of their time talking and arguing with people who are never going to accept our views. I stopped doing that a long time ago. And there are people on Twitter who will reply to every one of my posts, who will send me private messages, who want to talk to me, who want to ask me what motivates me, because these people uh, couldn't comprehend nationalism. They don't understand why we do these things, where we're going, and they are absolutely ideologically opposed to us. So yeah. I don't even reply to them. I don't even talk to them. I don't waste a moment of my time typing even the shortest or snarkiest response. I pour my energy into people who are genuinely enthusiastic or genuinely curious and want to go on a journey of discovery with us and learn the truth about what's happening to the West. So, yeah, we're not going to save everyone. And in some ways, that will be a form of natural selection. Because yes. when it comes down to it, in places like South Africa, where you have all white areas like Irania that are flourishing and you have multicultural cesspits, the whites that choose to live in the multicultural cesspit are letting, um, you know, social Darwinism sort the wheat from the chaff. Because if you would rather live in some multicultural slum and you would rather put your family close to that risk, rather than living in an all-white, peaceful, high-trust, high-IQ society, you are essentially placing yourself at risk. And that is how um, certain genes get removed from the gene pool. Yeah, that's just it. Exactly. It's a good point. Let me read a couple more of these here. Uh, let me see. Here we go. Here's uh, North Fork says, uh, thanks for another good show, Henrik. Many great points being made. Thank you. Appreciate the support. Uh, Cloud... Uh, Claude, rather. Claude Fermi says, uh, hello, Henrik. Hello, Mark. Love the work you guys do. Quick question. Would either one of you guys consider going on the casino, Kino Casino with Andy Worski and PPP to talk about how people like Nick Fuentes and the Groiper slash Cozy TV people damage right wing nationalists with their antics? Just a thought. Yeah, it's not no. really. It's not really. No, I wouldn't go on there. No, I wouldn't go no on there. I'll tell you really. why I wouldn't go on yeah, there. Yeah, go, go ahead. I wouldn't yeah. go on there. Go ahead. Yeah. I won't go on there because ultimately, what good is that going to do? What good is creating an absolute sea of drama with another group that talk about demographics, that talk about mass immigration and talk about Jewish power? You might not like Nick Fuentes. You might not enjoy his shows. You might not like the way he phrases his arguments. But fundamentally... He talks about all the same key points that myself and Henrik are talking about tonight. So why go and tear strips off him? 
There's absolutely no point. He's not part of con Conservative Inc. He's not somebody who is refusing to acknowledge the massively disproportionate role that Israel plays in American politics. He's not one of these people who says you can come to America and you know adopt an idea and be just as American as the white Anglo-Saxon Protestants that founded America. That's not what Nick Fuentes does. So why go and tear strips off him? I'll tell you something now. I was out at a protest the other weekend. It was actually a big rally. It was in um, a city called Hull. I ended up giving a speech to about 200, 250 people. They were people who came to the rally. They were shoppers who joined the rally on the day, passers-by who thought it was interesting. And I gave a very hard line. Well, it wasn't really hard line. It was just a truthful speech. I quoted um, facts and figures on demographics, on mass immigration, and facts about the census which has proved that white people are rapidly headed towards minority status in Britain and are and already are minority status in cities like Birmingham and London. And I asked the crowd, I said to the crowd when I gave my speech, do you guys want to be a minority here in Hull? And everyone shouted no. There wasn't anyone shouting yes, you know, we want multicultural. They were all shouting no, we don't want that. We don't want that here in our area. And there were people there who weren't with Patriotic Alternative. There were people there who were from the EDL, from other English nationalist groups. There were some people there who were civic nationalists. One of the ladies who gave a speech said to her, you know, mass immigration wasn't so much about race as it was about space. And I can tell you something. There might have been some ideological differences between people who were there. But at the other side of the square, there was a group of communists and Antifa all with the face masks on and with flags and banners that, uh, you know, were anarchist banners, communist banners. And they were the people who would have happily sent us all to the gulag. And when you stood there and you stood with all these other nationalists or patriots and you face down with these rabid leftists, you realize that the difference between you and the other nationalists and the other patriots, despite the fact there are small differences, those differences are small. And you realize quite clearly who the real enemy is. And the real enemy, the real enemy are those masked, you know, black flag waving freaks at the other side of the square that want to bring about white genocide, that want all children indoctrinated with LGBT filth, that want, um, you know, migrants housed in every city, in every town, in every village, they're the real enemy. And it makes you realize that the differences you have with other groups are just small. And, you know, everyone should try to further this cause, not by tearing strips off of the people who are in the cause, but maybe, maybe by furthering what they think is the best route forward. So rather than, you know, if you don't like Nick Fuentes, rather than um, tearing strips off him, further your ideal of this cause. You know, so you know, if you're in a group, promote that group. If you're not in a group, find a group that you want to promote. And if you can't find any group that you want to promote, either, you know, I don't know, just educate yourself, focus on self-improvement or start your own group. But your, your character should be judged by the things you create, by the fruits of your labor. 
your character, if your character can only be judged by the shade you try to cast on others and the strips you manage to tear off other people who aren't doing things exactly the way that you're doing things, that says a lot about you. And, you know, at this crucial juncture in Western civilization, wouldn't it be better if we all turned our fire on, you know, the liberals and the Marxists who are trying to destroy us rather than on each other. That's my message on that issue. Yeah. I mean, for the most part, we, yeah, we stay away from drama that, you know, in that way, it just doesn't, we don't have the time for it. <laughs> There's so many other bigger problems to face. Yeah. You criticize somebody. That's fine. I think you, didn't you make a video? I didn't see it, but like of, uh, here are some tips for Fuentes or something, right? It was like, I, I gave him some constructive criticism. Right. I said, yeah. look, I think the guy's a talented young guy, but I simply said, stay away from all that drama. Do the things that you're good at. You're good at presenting. You're good at, you know, the groiping. You're good at all of those things. And you're very, very good in front of the camera when it comes to giving snappy interviews with snarky journalists. But if you enter the internet cesspit of drama cycles, you will end up getting bogged down in something that will lead, you know, that will that will result in zero dividends for your cause. And you know, yeah. I, I, I urge all nationalists, if you're a nationalist and you're involved in any of these drama channels or nonsense or mudslinging, back away from it. It's no good. It doesn't do anything good for the cause and it doesn't do anything good for you. No, build, uh, don't, don't tear down. Again, criticizes, that's a different thing, right? You could do it in a classy way or whatever. But uh, yeah, I think you got your answer, Claude. But thank you, I appreciate the question. Uh, we appreciate your support as well. Dershirusker says, uh, powerful words, Mark. It's in our blood. It's the voice of our ancestors. That's right. Uh, and when things get dire, you're going to hear, uh, you, I think you're going to feel some of those things activating. I certainly have had moments when I feel that there's something just in me that clicks on kind of thing, right? Whether that's survival or something else. And, and, and keep this in mind too. The people that went before us, our, our ancestors, they, they did they did far more with far less, right? In terms of what you know, what they have access to and things like that. And again, it, it, that's kind of part of the infighting thing as well. That clearly we don't have it; uh, it's not hard enough yet for us. We have the luxury to sit and care about shit that ultimately. I mean, you could argue like, does this matter? What you know, in the, in the greater scope of things. But like when. When you have, have an enemy charging at you, either literally or figuratively speaking, in terms of how they're targeting you, uh, you're not going to have any time to to sit around and, and bicker with someone who, at least I hope, would stand shoulder to shoulder if it if it comes to that with you. You know. All right. Um, Night National Review says uh, drama is worthless for serious nationalists. I I, I agree. Uh, again from Night Nation Review, great show, Henrik and Mark. Glad to see serious nationalists keeping their eyes on the ball and keeping the fight going for our survival and control of our civilization. Thank you, uh, Nightwave Review. I appreciate that. Yeah, Mark. I had a bunch of like other topics and stuff. I just think it's gonna break. It was such a it was such a natural kind of nice progression of like getting into this very serious topic and and juggling some of these very well, complicated ideas, grand ideas, and, and ideologies, and, and what do we kind of what do we do? What where are we going? Type things that I think it would be wrong to kind of go in that direction. Uh, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about some of your activism. Maybe that's a good pivot here before we wrap up in a little bit here. Well, we we believe that activism, genuine activism, should be at the centre of any nationalist organisation. Obviously, doing things on the internet is important. We have a huge reach on the internet, but we need to be out there in the real world 
building real world communities and reaching people who aren't plugged into our social networks and especially who aren't on smaller social networks say like telegram or odyssey yet you know they're not aware of those social networks or those video sharing sites so we need to go out and reach them and we've produced a number of different leaflets we have um, regional groups in every region of the uk and every weekend the majority of those regional groups will be active with at least one event happening in each region. And that is what we spend our time doing. We spend our time bridging that gap between the online content creators and um, real world people in order to build communities. And we take the real nationalist message to the real world. We don't say something online and say something completely different when we meet people. When I gave the speech in Hull, my speech was about demographics. It was about ensuring that white people did not end up, or white Britons did not end up as an ethnic minority within the British Isles. So we don't go out there and cook and then say something completely different online. And I would urge as many people as possible to get out there, get involved, do something in the real world. There are so many nationalist groups in Britain. There are so many nationalist groups in America. There is something for everyone. There's no real excuse to be sat at home and to be not engaged in real life community building. Now, if you are one of those small number of people who has a really sensitive job or really for some reason of safety or security can't be involved in real world activity, then I suggest, um, you know, you do what you can in terms of providing either financial support or something behind the scenes to those groups. And in that way, everyone can play their part in bringing about real world change, because in many ways, this is, you know, ah, this is the you know, last days of our people as a ethnic majority within many countries and and you know it is an inevitability that some white nations um, maybe the majority will end up in the near future becoming places where the indigenous people or the white people in those nations you know are a ethnic minority so let's do something now while we still can let's try and turn back the tide you know and if everybody and i hear people all the time say well you know what can we really do? You know, is it really worth it? Well, if everyone who yes. said that actually <laughs> out and did something, then yes, it would be worth it yeah. and we would create change. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's not, we tend to complicate things. To some, when I say me, I just, or us, I mean, we uh, generally like, you know, just even as, as Europeans, right? As Westerners, we, there's some complicated solution to it and sometimes you just you just have to like go back to basics and and, and figure out what this is about you know what i mean um local networking as you said creating community and building those relationships with people getting to know people uh finding out who is good who you can trust that's local in your area that's again that's one of those uh projects we're going to begin working on a little bit more too we've certainly done that here where we are uh, right now, but uh, we'll also want to reach out and try to do that in in other parts, you know, be that in Europe or America or down under and stuff like that, and just basically be a conduit and try to help connect people, or at least connect them with the right group in that area, or point them towards that. So we have some we have some things uh, you know coming on that frontier uh, within uh, within the next few months. I'd say we have a little bit more of those kind of ideas lined up, if you will. Um, 
I know Californian says, uh, please have Mark uh, on at least once a month. He's a fantastic guest. He is an admirable person. That's a good idea. Thank you, I know Californian. Appreciate that as well. Doug Whistler says, off topic, but uh, want Mark's take. Uh, I live in Chicago, and of all problems government here we have, the Dems are promising shorter lines at government offices because they, uh, they will use tech to digitize services based on equity. First, everyone gets digital ID. Feels like technocrats' first step to social credit that doesn't favor us. I guess just a general uh, uh, take on, on, I guess, that you mentioned it, right? That the technocrats of, of how they're basically... I, I think, personally, I, I don't mean to derail your point from this dog whistler, but I feel that they're... Th this is why it's so essential to form parallel institutions and structures and community now, because we are essentially being designed out of the system. If they get their way, look, they might never achieve this, whether it's transhumanism or their fourth industrial revolution and all these high and mighty ideas like that the World Economic Forum and many of these other steering committees talk about all the time these days, right? Whether it's censorship or yeah, digitizing things or uh, central bank digital currencies and stuff like that. All of that, in some level, Mark, has this like idea that if you don't if you don't bow down and obey and be a good boy, they can, you know, with a flip of a switch or, or a, a button, <laughs> a keyboard press, they can turn you off from these services and basically freeze you out of society and you lose access to all these things. And we can't wait until, like, that that system is in place. We have to have a a a something for us where we can still continue to exist and live and operate within normal parameters before they have the system in place. What do you feel about that? Well, I remember when you read the original question there, you there was a word at the end, and I'm sure I heard this right, that things were going, there was this new system being brought in and it would be based on equity. Yeah. I believe that was what, equity. Yeah. And just when I was talking about the online harms bill to you earlier, online safety bill, there was words in there that are very vague, like harm or risk. And these undefined words, you know, grant those who are in charge of interpreting the legislation, this, you know, huge scope to do as they please. And whenever I hear things such as this will be granted on the basis of equity, that is another one of those vague terms, which basically means that the Liberals in charge of this project will have absolute discretion to distribute whatever they're distributing on the basis of race, um, sexual preference, um, you know, ethnicity, uh, religion, whatever they want. But it will always be done in a way where sort of, you know, normal, straight, you know, decent white people come last in that deal. So, yeah, when anyone on the left tells you things will be distributed via a system of equity, that is their code word for saying if you're, you know, a heterosexual, normal white guy, you are last in the queue. And when they tie into that some kind of digital system, they will make that unfair uh, and very, very anti-white system absolutely brutal. And they will be able to institute that system with, you know, a degree of, how can I say it, absolute um, efficiency 
yeah. that they would have never been able to do beforehand. So it will be absolutely anti-white, but absolutely efficient in its anti-whiteness, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. it'll be Definitely. the worst of both worlds. Yeah. And that's that's how I would interpret that. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing with like artificial intelligence. There's all these new high and mighty, you know, things. And, and again, not, this might not come into fruition. I, this system could very well collapse <laughs> before they get any of this, you know, these, oh, the, the cool fourth industrial revolution future before that comes in. But regardless, they're trying, right? They're trying to do this. But this is why they fight against, for example, um, objective uh, AI, for example, artificial intelligence, right? Deep learning systems and things like that, that so far it has been able to, I guess, kind of detect things or, or, or share information with us in terms of like things that actually is more favorable to, to us, such as, for example, take such a simple thing such as racial differences, right? That like the AI can ob observe this, obviously, because it's it's reality and it's true. But then the all these people around that's developing AI says, oh, we have to we have to program bias out of, of the artificial intelligence system. And all I'm hearing is we have to code in anti-whiteness. There needs to be a default uh, antagonistic position you know, against against white people within these new systems that they're building. But I wanted to show this regarding equity. They always have these cartoon images which are completely retarded and childish that they're showing you to explain the concept. And it's like, for, you know, first of all, this is not reality, right? This is this fence here. Why, you know, who put that there? And like, you know, what I mean, like, there's all these things. But think of equity as like it's not to lift up other people like this shows. It's really to to, to if someone is taller than you, this is about breaking your bones so you get down on their level. Or in some cases, it's actually d directly about altering nature. Check out this image that they're using. I used that in a video uh, at some point, right? Um, you know, in inequality, equity, equality, justice, right? But you see that the, the whole premise is that this is an apple tree. It, it's a revolt against nature. If you look at the last picture of what they want, the outcome, they want to change nature. The tree is bending a little bit. In other words, means it's not always going to be fair. Sometimes it's like you're dealt a shitty hand and it's about who does, you know, do what you can with it. It's not always going to be easy. This is what they want. And I, that's where I think the whole technocratic thing comes into it, the fourth industrial revolution, AI, transhumanism. They want to ch alter basic, not only human nature, but nature in and of itself around us in order to produce some fairy tale existence where everything at every turn is not only absolutely equal as you say but it's actually like this this uh, a disadvantage against you know white people and shit like that but it's a very uh childish uh point of view that these people come from and, and there is an a, a dismissal of natural order and i think that's why they're not going to win at the end because you're never going to defeat and win against nature mark what I love about this the most is when liberals began this crusade, well, they, they began this crusade at the end of the Second World War, but when this crusade became very open, the buzzword was equality. It was about everyone being equal. It was about everyone, you know, getting the same treatment. You know, black people had to be treated the same as whites, whites the same as blacks. So we all got equal treatment. And then we would then, you know, all start from the same position. So the race was fair and whoever won the race, it didn't, it didn't matter. You know, we all got the same pair of trainers. We all got the same uh, running outfit. We all ran on the same track. We all started at the same point and we all started together at the sound of the same gunshot. That was equality. And then whoever won the race, it didn't matter. 
but soon equality was thrown out the window, wasn't it? Because yep. despite despite everyone having that absolutely fair chance at victory, unfortunately, that didn't yield the results that nope. Liberals wanted. Still because different outcomes. the results Liberals wanted yeah. was for the black guy to always win the race. Yeah. And because the black guy wasn't always win, winning the race, they brought about equity. And as I said earlier, when I started this analogy, you know, we all had to start at the same point on the track. We all had to run on the same track. We all had to wear the same sports gear. And we all had to start at the sound of the same gun. That's equality. But what they mean by equity is everything that I just said holds true. But the guy with the starter pistol shoots the white guy in the leg so he can't compete in the race and the black guy wins by default. That's yeah. equity. Yeah. Equity is actually harming the white man because he's white. It's literally shooting him in the leg so he can't compete in the oh, race. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's what it's about. It's about it's the uh, preposition. Is that the right term of, of, of that? There is a a built in uh, advantage for the white guy at, at every turn. <laughs> right. So therefore that has to be demolished or taken down or or we have to somehow yeah alter the circumstances so that it's disfavorable towards the one that they see is at the top of the hierarchy. Okay, great. You yeah. do white people. Can, can we do other ethnic groups there too now? Can we, can we look at the advantages and power and influence and things like this too? Uh, disproportionate <laughs> power. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, Black Phillip says here. I think I'm uh, going to adopt that. I think I'm going to adopt that phrase. Equity Equity translates to hobbling the white man because <laughs> it is true. You know, <laughs> true, if the white man wins the race from an equal start, yep. he has to have his ankles broken to ensure that outcome never transpires again. God, it's just the era we live in. It's just it's out of this world. It's it's incredible the time we're in now. <laughs> it's like you think it can't get any worse. You know, some days you wake up and it's like, yep, it can. It sure can. New barrier to cross, you know. Oh, boy. Uh, one more here from uh, Black Phillip. Did we do this one? No. Okay. Yeah, let's do this one. Then we can wrap up after this here. I appreciate your time today, Mark, here. But uh, Black Phillip says, uh, both uh, towards Mark and Henrik here, a question. What do you say to normies that say immigrants are a net positive to a nation's eco economy and is proven by financial studies? And anyone that opposes it is the evil xenophobe or a white nationalist. Well, there's a lot of things I'd say. First of all, of course, it's not a net uh, positive. I, I usually show an article where it says Denmark is saving billions by restric restricting immigration. So even the economy thing doesn't work. Then you could show how much unemployment still exists with those those that are, those that come into our countries and how uh, few of them just uh, you know actually go to work and contribute. But then I'd say this: even if they did contribute, even even if they made our countries a, a million times richer. I, I don't care about that if because <laughs> it's not us, right? I, I want this to be for us. This is our lands. It's built by our ancestors. It's us. I don't care if it's increasing the GDP. I mean, I get your point, Black Phillip. I'm, I, I get you're not like you making that argument. Um, but these people who just all of a sudden sees nothing else but just like bo the bottom line kind of thing, it's such a Again, childish and, and shallow way of looking at things. Like there's nothing that means anything. There's no deeper meaning to to heritage and our culture and and the you know preservation of who we are and all these things. I'd basically say that they're they're. I'd whip back and say you're an empty, shallow materialist that don't care about anything else but the bottom dollar. What would you say, uh, Mark? I think I'm at the point in my life where if somebody um, says something like that to me. 
I just smile and politely walk away. <laughs> just, that's <laughs> okay, it. I get it. That's the, if, I get if, it. If, you know, it, we're at that point where <laughs> if you genuinely think immigration is still enriching the West, if you, you actually believe that, if you believe these hordes of migrants who are pouring into our country and sucking up millions of pounds of taxpayers' money every day as they lounge in four- and five-star hotels at our expense, if you actually think that's making life better here in Britain, then good luck to you. Good luck to you. There's nothing I can do. And at that point, I walk off to speak to somebody who still has a functioning brain. Yep, absolutely. I agree with all the stuff that we've seen, uh, right, over the last few years. And it's like, how can you? I mean, but again, they, did, they, they deny it. But it, don't waste your time. <laughs> Talk to people. As yeah, but sometimes I do yeah. have another snarking response. I do like to ask these people. Mm -hmm. You know, I do like to say something like, I do hope you are living in one of these deeply enriched, tolerant and diverse areas of Britain. I hope you're not living, you know, in one of these all white gated communities, because I do find that quite often the white people who are the most vociferous in advocating for migrant rights and multiculturalism live quite a long way away from what we could term the front line. <laughs> Oh, yeah, absolutely. 100%. Yeah, it is. There's some good ones. Funny, they walk around and say, um, would you take in refugees? And yes, yes. And uh, they whip out a guy. Here's you know, meet, meet uh, Ahmed here. You know, what I mean, you can take him in right now. Those are great. I mean, that help. That goes a long way. And it's like, well, I I'm renting right now and it's a really small place. So someone else has to deal with this problem. Of course, I'm for open borders. You know what I mean? But as soon as uh, you have to actually take the responsibility and make sure that these people are housed and, and clothed and fed, you know, what I mean, they give up super easy, you know. All right. Mark, thank you uh, for uh, coming on with us today. Plug some of your stuff. Let us know uh, how we can find oh, you. It's been absolutely stuff. brilliant. I always really appreciate my time with you. And I want to ask you, um, I can see you're coming up to episode 200. Good luck for that. Thanks. Um, that'll be next week. Yep. I'm coming up for episode 200 of Patriotic Weekly Review. We'll be doing a three-hour special. I know you've been a guest numerous times. I hope you'll come on for episode uh, yep. 200 and do a... It'll only be sure. a 10-minute slot because I'll have numerous guests. I'll hope to see you there. Of course. It will be live on Odyssey. I am trying to build up my Odyssey. I, I, I'm still on BitChute, but they don't have a streaming option. So Odyssey for me is now the you know, the platform I'm trying to build most heavily because that's where my show goes live. Yeah. Uh, please do follow me there. We have a number of different shows every week and pre-recorded videos. You can also find us over at patrioticalternative.org.uk. And of course, I am now finally back on Twitter at Mark A. Collett. Please follow me there. It is very much appreciated. And Henrik, thank you so much for having me on. You bet. It's always a pleasure working with you. You and uh, Lana do some amazing work. And you also uphold the values that we hold dear. You're wonderful family people. And, um, you know, I obviously wish you all the best. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate it. Uh, always a pleasure having you on. Keep up the good work, uh, Mark. And uh, lo love to come on uh, anytime. Just send me an uh, email or telegram. And we'll I, well, I, I, won't, I will send you a Twitter message. There you go. See. Look at that. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> See you Thanks next time. You so much. Thank you, Mark. Have a good Take time. care. All right. Very good. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us today. We appreciate you. It was a good show. It's a different. I had uh, tons of other topics, too, to get into. But, uh, hey, what are you going to do? Uh, we can always talk about those things later. It's a little bit more kind of interview format. And by the way, we're going to pick that up a little bit more, too. We definitely haven't completely dropped the ball on that. I like to cover some recent stories and try to put things in context and, uh, you know, dig out things and connect dots and, you know, these kinds of things. I do enjoy that. But I also enjoy still 
uh, of course, having you know conversations with people and stuff like that. So that's something that is uh, in the works and in the pipelines. Uh, and we have some, well, let me just say we have some other uh, ideas up our sleeve as well. So that's something that uh, that's coming. So uh, it, we, we never stop thinking about uh, new ways of, uh, of bridging out here uh, at uh, Red Ice. Uh, hopefully you never feel that it's stagnant. That's very important too. Uh, we, at the end of the day, it's, imp- it's important to discuss the big ideas kind of thing, right? Uh, actually put, put things in context um, on, on a deeper level for people, right? Making those, uh, making it click essentially. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much again for joining us today. Next up here, we're going to have uh, Western Warrior over at RedEyesMembers.com. That's our members' uh, website. Check out the content over there. You can sign up uh, over there. It's only 10 bucks a month. It helps to support us uh, tremendously. Uh, with a membership, you get access to all the content that we have, uh, including our vast archives of stuff, uh, by the way, going back to 2006. A tremendous amount of material in there. Uh, so it's always good stuff you can check out. Um, also, you can sign up for a uh, producer or an executive producer tier. If you want to do a little bit extra for us, you can do that at uh, Odyssey or at Subscribestar. I guess i got to show the, uh, the, our, the addresses here, right? Uh, Odyssey.com forward slash at Red Eyes TV. That's Odyssey. They, of course, have a normal membership tier there as well, uh, or a plus one with an extra donation a month, or the uh, producer or executive producer. Uh, you can do the same at subscribestar.com as well, uh, or we have uh, month-to-month recurring on redassmembers.com, or if you want to do all the way up to a two-year subscription and one-time payment. Uh, all of this helps us to continue and uh, produce more and do more. Uh, and in fact, we're uh, on the verge here of actually trying to get on a uh, editor here to help us out. And it's with your help that we've been able to do that. So thank you so much. Uh, of course, we don't want to stop there. We want to keep growing against uh, all the odds and against the financial censorship and the other uh, you know, censorship we experience on social media and things like that, too. Uh, so uh, we definitely are still seeking to get additional um, help aboard so that we can continue to grow. We have, oh, can you imagine an endless amount of positions that we'd love to fill in order to continue to do a much better show and to do a lot more of the creative stuff that we want to get done as well. Uh, so anyway, executive producer tier or producer tier, Odyssey or subscribe star. Uh, thank you to those of you who are T. Lothrop Stoddard, V. Miller, Resin Revolt, Good Luck Lap, Jake, Red Pill Rundown, Chalky Milk, French 47, Mark Smith, No One Jeeves, President Ubunga, Fetch Me If You Can. Also want to say thanks to Mongoose, William Fox, Angry White Soccer Mom, The Second Wanderer, Operation Werewolf, The Ride Never Ends, Francis Parker Yockey, Dill Bob, Level 104 Light, Last Place Simp, and Mussex Gorillion. Thank you to all of you guys. We appreciate you. We also have a producer tier. Uh, currently there, we have Mr. Walker 696, Yuan Son, Leroy Dumont, Snark Pop, Eyes Open, and uh, also, of course, Mr. Lemry and Yuri New. Thank you, boys and girls. We appreciate you. Very kind. As I said, definitely check out those tiers if you want to uh, help us with a little bit extra. Um, Western Warriors coming out uh, next then on RedHouseMembers.com. That's our exclusive members show. Uh, I think it's one of the best ones that we do. More concise, more to the point, and uh, much better produced as well. And again, we can't do this without you guys. We appreciate you. All right, just want to make sure we're caught up everywhere. I think we are. Thank you if you're sh- super chatted today. Thank you if you're just watching. Thank you if you're sharing uh, links and uh, you know to the show and to uh, to our clips and videos and stuff like that. Uh, and again, one of the uh, the uh, goals that we have here of, is of course to do a lot more clips, not just you know other shorter videos, but uh, clips from the show. You know, there's cer- certain topics, of course, that we that we cover uh, and pull those out and stuff like that. We started doing it a little bit already. But we're going to do a lot more of that as well. Uh, so that's something that's uh, coming up. 
Guys, thank you so much. Have a great uh, rest of your weekend, or I guess start of your weekend. It's Friday here, but if you're over in the um, over in Europe uh, and down under, you're already uh, into the weekend uh, by now. But uh, have a great one, and we'll see you guys uh, probably by Monday over at RedEyesMembers.com. Keep fighting. We got this. We'll see you guys later. Thank you for watching. Go to RedIceMembers.com and sign up for our exclusive members content. Don't miss our latest shows, interviews, and other videos only for subscribers. You can also become a member by signing up at Subscribestar.com forward slash RedIce. Get full access and help support our work. See you on the other side.